Angel's going to put that up on the uh, the board for you. Luke, the ninth chapter. Had a great time last weekend. Got to spend four days with Dad. Uh, went and preached at a uh, great church in Wildwood. But there's no place like home. And it was a joy to take Christine and Bailey. And, and uh, we started outright. We left Cleveland uh, playing uh, Dave and Nicole Binion. But by the time we got to Atlanta, we had backslidden. And we were doing the Jersey Boys and the Beach Boys. And then from, from making on, it was a battle over we did their music, which to me is lousy. Today's, today's music is just, it's just, I don't care. <laughs> so on the way back, though, things went a little better. If, if, uh, if, if you've never been around a teenager, uh, it's interesting. It is, it is interesting, and we got to spend the day on the beach. Like I said, spend time with my dad, and it was a wonderful uh, break and just a, a wonderful time with my daughter. But uh, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. Uh, there's a song from the late 60s uh, that goes, Sunshine, go away today. Don't feel much like dancing. Some man's come and stole my life. Don't know what he's asking. How much does it cost? I'll buy it. The time is all we lost. I'll try it. If I had a thought or theme today, and I will be brief, if I had a thought or theme today, uh, it would be, how much does it cost? How much does it cost? And uh, uh, most of you that have been around me for a while, we were in the lobby yesterday, and a young couple drove up, and it was a young couple that used to attend our church 27 years ago. And she was a Lee College student and uh, had, done very, had done very well. And uh, there was a season in her life where uh, she sowed uh, $1,000 into Pastor Rhonda's tape ministry. Bought every single tape. I think it was cassette in those days. Cassettes and then, and then CDs. Bought every single one of her teaching tapes. And uh, we met yesterday and reconnected. And uh, she went into the art of, uh, of what is it? How do, how do you spell that? There you have it. There you have it. Anyway, anyway, she, she did facials, and she said there wasn't really a lot of facials to do. There's a lot of facials, but nobody wanted to facial. So she went to Atlanta the past 27 years, and now she sees 100 clients a day, two, two clinics. And so I was inviting them to uh, come this morning, and I said, uh, I said yeah, I said, I'll, we'll have, you know, half hour, 45 minutes of worship, and, and I'll speak about 20 minutes and, she said, what? You never spoke 20. You were, we worshiped for an hour and a half, and then we had sermon for an hour and a half, then we had an altar call for an hour and a half, and uh, boy, don't things change. <laughs> and then we came back on Sunday night and did it all over again, how things change. Do I miss those days? Absolutely. But am I enjoying the day I'm in now? Absolutely. That, to everything, there's a season and a time for every purpose under heaven, and those were Great days. But this morning, as the Lord allows, I want to read just a few passages of Scripture from Luke, the ninth chapter. And I'd like to go to the 20th, the 23rd verse. And he said to them all, I like that because that means we're all included. Uh, this is not just reserved for one or two, this is not just for preacher's kids. This is not just for sanguines. 
This is to everybody. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Would you say that with me? Daily. And follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gains the whole world and lose himself or, he, or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come into his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Interesting passage of Scripture. There are four incredible truths into this verbiage and I think the first truth that we come and we don't stumble upon, but it's right there and it's plain, is that Jesus is giving us an invitation to follow after him. And in his ministry, there was at one time a total of 500 disciples that traveled with Jesus, uh, some full-time. Some would go on weekends. Some would go as their job allowed. And then we know that there were 120 that he poured himself into consistently. And then there were the 12. And uh, we know that these 12 abandoned their nets. They abandoned their tax collecting. They abandoned a, being a surgeon. And uh, they followed Jesus. And, uh, and what a story they could tell and what, what scenes they saw. And uh, the Bible says if everything that Jesus did was recorded in that short three-year window, the volumes of the libraries of the world could not contain the miracles and all the things that he did. And that had to be an incredible, an incredibly exciting day. Uh, we look at the life of the disciples, and I, I was going to walk through all of those, but we've done that before. But every one of the disciples gave their life for the Messiah. John, who survived the longest, was boiled in oil, survived, and then was placed on the Isle of Patmos until he died uh, of natural causes. But the disciples that took, took up the cross to follow Jesus, they lost their life. And when I think about that, that opportunity to, to come after me, it's like there are, two there are two roads. There's a lower road, and then there's a higher road. And this week on Facebook, I saw one of my friends had taken the lower road and didn't enjoy that so much. And there were several comments about uh, it's, a, it's a straight gate. It's a narrow gate. It's a, it's a scary place when you're falling after Christ because he has already gone where we're go going, taken care of it, and then come back to walk us through that. But we don't know that. Uh, lately, uh, Pastor Rhonda has been moving things around in the bedroom and uh, I don't know if she's doing it just to uh, torment me or what, but you know, it's if 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 I were, if I were to walk from here to this door, uh, I could do it with ease. But if you were to turn the lights off, and I would start walking in the dark, and you move furniture my way, and you put things that weren't there the night before, I mean, it's, it's kind of a scary it's kind of a scary place to be out there in the dark, not knowing for sure where you're going. Can anybody relate? And that's, that's, this, that's this walk that we're on. When the disciples, in, in a few verses earlier, when the disciples were sitting around talking, and how cool would that have been just to sit down by a, by a creek or by a, a river or by the lake and just let Jesus talk and just visit and just, and just enjoy that fellowship. And uh, he looked at his disciples and he said, what are the people saying about me? What, what, are, the, what, what are they, who, who, who do they say that, that I am? And and one of the disciples said, well, some said you're Solomon. Some said you're Elijah. 
And then Jesus looked at the disciples and said, but who do you, who do you say I am? What, what am I to you? And Peter looked at Jesus and said, thou art the Christ, the son of a living God. And immediately Jesus said, you know, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father turned on a light and let you see clearly that, that I am the Christ, I am the Messiah. And upon that revelation that I am the Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And here we are 2,000 years later, a church that God has put together, brought together, honored and ordained. And the Bible says that nothing that the enemy does to try to stop or hinder this fellowship, nothing he says or does is going to work because the price has already been paid by the blood of Jesus at Calvary that we can be healthy, we can be whole, and we can actually make a decision every morning to follow after him. I don't know what you say to your wife first thing in the morning after coffee. We don't talk before coffee and tea. We're like strangers in the night exchanging glances, two shifts passing one, and uh, we don't growl at one. We just ignore one another until we get our fix. And then the, then the first thing I asked Pastor Rhonda, how did you sleep last night? Did you, how, how did you sleep? Was, was it a good? Was it a good? And, and then we'll visit there a moment or two. Uh, right now she's going to bed a little later than I am and, and uh, getting up at the same time. And uh, we're just working some things out to get some good sleep habits. And then I'll ask her, what can I do today to take pressure off of you? Or what can I do today to make your day easier? Now, I only do that three days a week because the thing she gives me the three days takes all week long, so I can only successfully do so much. <coughs> how, cr how crazy would it be every morning? Benny Hinn wrote the book. Every morning. May I have some water or Dr. Pepper? Every morning saying, good morning. Oh, I have some up here ready. Oh, thank you. You open it for me. Thank you. For when you get to heaven, you shall receive a prophet's reward. Because you give a prophet a cup of water. We quote that scripture in him. We live, move, and have our being. But you know that. In us, he lives, he moves, and he has, our, he has our being. When you look at the life of Christ, I'm sure that, that he pondered what marriage was all about. I'm sure he pondered about having children, having grandchildren. But the Bible said he was cut off from the land of the living. Who hath believed a report? Cut off as a tender branch, and he was wounded, and all the stuff that he went through. So he never got to experience some of those things that God established early in life that are a blessing. So I wonder sometimes how many times we're hanging around the grandkids or we're hanging around the kids. The Lord's not right there with us, hanging with us, having a good time. I believe if Jesus was here, he'd probably go jet skiing with me. I'd probably take him out in the bass boat. He went to the boat several times with the disciples. But to have the ability every morning to focus your day and say, okay, what are I and Jesus going to get into today? What, what hell are we going to raise? Or, I'm sorry, what heaven are we going to raise? What, what, what are we going to accomplish? What are we going to? And he says, come, follow me. And I wrote that. I wrote my notes here saying, 
there are two paths that you can go by, but in the long run, hello, what am I quoting? Stairway to heaven. There are two paths, that you, and there, that's absolutely true. You can take the higher road and serve your and serve your, your serve your God with your life, or you can take the lower road and do what everybody else is doing. And I kind of decided I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. I would kind of like to find out where Jesus walked, and I want to walk there. If I could figure out how to grow my hair like Aaron, I'd have long hair, and I'd probably have a cool robe, and I'd wear sandals, I'd wear flip-flops. Anyway, I'd want to dress like him. I would mimic him. I would, I would, do I have a friend in the house that can relate? I want to follow after him. That's the high road. And then he says, I, in order for me to take the high road and to follow after him, I'm going to have to d- deny myself. Now, that's not the denial we talk about in drug addiction, but that is the area of life where I decide I'm going to lay down some of my desires and some of my interests and some of my goals And I'm going to see what goals and what interests and desires that God has for me. That he actually has a plan for my life. And he actually wants me to accomplish things. Knowing there's going to be a price. Knowing there's going to be pain. Listen, no pain, no gain. We live in a crazy, crazy world. We live in a crazy, crazy environment. This this life that we know it. Is all messed up. It's crazy. It's out of order. The norm is not the norm. The natural is not the natural. It's a, it's a cra- and, and, and it just gets crazier every, every single day. But he said, I want you to step into a place in your life where you would deny yourself. You know, I wrote down some things here about denial. But let, me, let me go to the next step. He said, not only do I want you to deny yourself, but I want you to take up your cross and follow me. And I guess that's where the question comes from. How much does it cost to be what God wants us to be and to do what God wants us to do? When you're resurrected from the grave, the guys were out in the boat fishing. They hadn't caught anything. Jesus was on the shore. He had some some fish already frying. Uh, He hollers out to the disciples, do you have any meat? No, we don't have any meat. Well, throw your net on the other side of the boat. And most of you, if you've ever been to the Mediterranean Sea, you know that the sea operates on currents. If you've ever been deep sea fishing, if the current is flowing this way, then you throw your bait into the current so the current carries it. For, for those fishermen to be as specialized as they were, to throw their nets on the other side of the boat was completely contrary to fishing. Completely. But the, but the guys in the boat obeyed. Do you ever feel like sometimes God asks you to do crazy things that don't make sense? Do you ever feel like God nudges you to do something or say something or be something and it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever? It would have been a mess, Linda, for them to throw their net on the other side of the boat because the, car- the current would have carried their net up against the boat and they wouldn't have caused caught anything. But they had such a catch, they had to get out of the boat and drag the net to shore and there was exactly 153 fish they caught. And what is so scary, October 2000, there are exactly 153 countries in the world, a fish that represented every single country of the world. When they get to the shore, there he is. He's got, he's got his fish, and he said, add your fish to it. They brought some fish. They added their fish. And while they're eating, Jesus looks at Peter, and we know that Peter was the one that 
cut the ear off, and Peter was the one that denied Christ three times, and we, we, know, we know that story. Jesus looks at Peter and said, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Pastor Todd, he could have been, been saying, Peter, do you love me more than you love fishing? Or he could have been saying, Peter, do you love me more than James and John and Bartholomew, more than they love me? And three times he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. And every time he would say, I love you, he would say, feed my sheep. And then the very last time when he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter looked at Jesus and said, Lord, you know everything. You know my heart. Test me and try me for I love you. And Jesus told Peter to feed my sheep. And that's where I find, that's where I think in this, in this story of how much does it cost. I have a friend. He is no longer with me. He, um, he wanted to be the Lord. But I had a friend that I hung around with earlier in, in evangelistic days, and he had the mindset, and they were multimillionaires. Uh, he had the mindset, if you have to ask how much it costs, you can't afford it. If you have to ask, well, I've never been to that place in my life. <laughs> Jerry, I'm not get a ride, or I just come buy it because I I don't ha- I don't have to worry about affording it. What's how much does it cost? But when I think about this this fish, that Peter is going to do what God calls him to do and do what God wants him to be, I think about passion. Your your passion will determine your priorities. And when I talked about passion with Pastor Ronald last night, we came up with a couple of things about the passion. The three things that you'll invest. When you're passionate about something, and those three, number one, you will invest your time in the things that you are passionate about. Number two, you'll invest your talents in the things that you're passionate about. And number three, you'll invest your money in the things that you are passionate about. And we are, we are a part of a generation that is very passionate to pursue the things they want, to give them a better life, or they want to be a part of a picture that's bigger than them, they will pay people $15 an hour to go sit out on the sidewalk outside an electronic store waiting for the new iPhone, whatever, wherever we're at now. I mean, they will pay people to go, and they're, they're too lazy to go wait themselves. So that sounds like something I would do. I'll give you 10 bucks an hour if you'll go wait. And, and, but that's how passionate they are. And I think, about, uh, I think about, about the passion of life that we're in. I think about what are some of your passions today? And I, I wrote down here shopping, and then I crossed it off, and I wrote spending because I'm not necessarily passionate about shopping, but I'm passionate about spending. Do I have a friend? I would rather spend than shop. When Pastor Rhonda goes shopping, she comes home with money from stuff that she bought the week before that it just didn't. She, and, she, and then she will, say, she will say, look, I found this blouse for $7, and I always say, that was a little high, wasn't it? But we're, we're passionate about shopping. And, you know, I wonder, uh, I, I believe to my name, I probably have 10 pair of shoes. And I don't know how many Pastor Rhonda has. I don't go in her closet. But I, I wonder sometimes when we go shopping, do we really need that other pair of shoes? Do we really need another purse or another pair of sunglasses or another scarf? But we're passionate about what we do. When I think about, when I think about fishing, there, there are times when I would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning 
to go and catch a fish. Hunting was the same way. There was a window several years ago when uh, that the, the hunting season, I remember one year, Pastor Rhonda, I hunted in seven different states. I hunted North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, and there's one more, Texas. Seven different states, and all seven states, I harvested a deer. One year, I harvested 13 deer, and that was the, that was the limit that you could harvest. But you know what? I would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning in freezing cold weather, be in a tree stand where it's sleeting, and wait for the sun to come up and sit there and freeze and sometimes sit there all day long, take a little snack, take a little lunch, and because I was passionate about that. I know Robert is a good golfer, and I was so passionate about golfing until my instructor told me that I had perfected my mistakes, that I did it wrong every time, and that really hurt my feelings. But there are people that are passionate about school. They don't just want their degree. They don't just want their master's. They want their doctorate. They're just something that drives them. They're passionate about, about their school. They're passionate about uh, cooking, food. And, 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 and then I wrote down the bad stuff, obviously the drugs, the alcohol, and all that junk. Food, if you're not careful, food can become a passion that can really get out of order. All my life, I have been skinny. And a few years ago, the doctors determined, and all my life, I've been sick. And I'd do great for two or three years, and all of a sudden, something would happen to my stomach. I'd get all messed up. And it was just a bad, it was a bad season in my life. And then my doctor, who I had the privilege of leading to the Lord after I broke my back, deer hunting, um, I led my doctor to the Lord, and my doctor took, took my case on and said, I'm going to find out what's wrong with you. And after years of research and, and x-rays, uh, they determined that my colon was twisted in two like a dish rag. And it, 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 I had upper GIs and lower GIs. I cannot tell you how many times I had the, the thing down my throat. I mean, CAT scans. I mean, it's just it was a mess. I was at UCLA for three weeks as one of their guinea pigs. They came in and did special uh, research and gave me spe- I drank stuff, and, they, and they, they watched it as it went through my, my body. And then I went to City of Faith. And, you know, if you go to a hospital, they're going to do something to you whether you need it or not. And they put a big old cut across my belly and took out my gallbladder and looked around in there, didn't see anything. And, but when they took out eight inches of my colon, I went from 119 to 188. And I loved every honey bun. I loved every donut. I loved every. And, um, and I guess if you were to ask me what is my, what is my passion now, not just the honey bun, but it's got to be glazed. The, the, the white icing honey bun is probably my, oh, but, but ding-dongs and, and hostess twinkies, oh, yeah, throw those in there. Don't, t- don't let the Krispy Kreme light come on. If I can see it, do I have a friend? I can suck down a dozen donuts and half a glass of milk, and you would never know it. But, but I, I came to a place where every time I ate, I got sick, then all of a sudden I got to a place where I could eat anything I wanted, and now I have padding. In, in, in earlier years, when I would preach, I would bump into the pulpit, and it would hurt me, and I'd be wounded. But now I've got, I've got like a pillow, and I can bump and, and not get hurt. And I, and I think about that, that passion, and then, Josh, I'm not, I'm not looking at you because of that, but I just want to call your name. But, but that passion in the, in, in the food to d- deny myself before I get to a place where I'm not healthy. If I gain, if I gain two pounds every year, man, before long, I'm, I'm going to look like the Pillsbury Doughboy. And, and, and you're lethargic and you don't, you don't have that energy you used to have and that health you used to have. And so I've come to a place where I need to put some kind of breaks on my diet 
and I and I put brakes on my fishing. I put brakes on my hunting. I put brakes on my on my golf because I don't want anything like that to control me. I want the things of God to control me. I, is is that all right? When I think about that, when I think about that 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 passion, what is your passion? You know, only you can tell me what what floats your boat. Only you can tell me what 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 excites you. What what motivates you? What is it that, that you love to do? And if you're not sure what you love to do, there's two ways to determine what you love to do. Number one, look at your check account and, and see what kind of money you spent over the past. What are you spending your money on? What, 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 what are you going out of your way to pursue or to, or, or to be a part of? And the second thing, I did, I did some math here, and 24 hours a day times seven is 100 and 68 hours that we have in a week, every week that God gives us. Of that 168 hours, if you get a normal night's sleep, you spend 56 hours a week sleeping. You spend 40 hours a week working unless you're a workaholic. And you know what the difference is between a workaholic and an alcoholic? The spelling. There was a day, would have been 30 there was a day when I was a part of a construction company. And here in Tennessee, it's like one builder does everything. But in California, it's not like that. In California, one person pours the slab. One person comes and lays out all the walls. One person cuts all the headers. One person frames all the walls. One person comes in and, and plumb in line. They make the walls level and straight. Then one person goes in and puts the ceiling joists and puts the trusses up. And then one person puts fascia all the way around the, the, the roof rafters. And then one person, which was me, would go on the roof, pull plywood up one sheet at a time, and nail it in place. It only took three nails to secure the plywood because later a guy with the pneumatic hammer, he got paid, he would come and he would nail. And at that time it was called sheathing, S-H-E-A-T-H-I-N-G, and, and we, we were paid three cents a foot for every piece of plywood that we laid. That means every sheet of plywood, I got a dollar. And so I can remember, Josh, day after day after day, I had a little 67 Mustang, nice little muscle car, and I can remember backing up to the job, opening up my trunk, sticking in Bob Seeger, climbing on that roof, and not coming, li literally still, still, you could hear the night noises when I'm, I'm rolling out my cord, I had to build a little stand. I had to stack plywood up where I could reach it. I would pull it up. And Cheryl, I did not come off the roof until I had laid 100 sheets of plywood. I made $100 for noon, and then I make another $100. So that's not that big a deal. Uh, 40 years ago, that was a lot of money. $200 a day was a lot of money. But I was a workaholic. My back was black. It was literally the hours I built San Diego, Escondido, and then I went on to larger jobs like Walmarts and Kmarts where we poured the walls on the floor and we stood the walls up and break some, break some concrete. Then we came in with beams and purlings and two-by-fours and plywood, and I was given the job of going on this, like a Walmart building, all thousands of square foot with a little pneumatic nailer, and we had to nail the edges, the middle, the sides, and I was literally a workaholic. I lived, I, I lived to work, and it was like, didn't really have a lot of time to spend the money, but I was making the money. Can anybody relate? But if you're, if, you're, if you're spending all your quality time, if you're spending more than 40 hours a week, and I understand all of that, so let me go on to the next part. 
it, it, if you sleep 56 hours and you work 40 hours, that's 96 hours. That gives you 72 hours left over every week. That's almost 10 hours a day every week. And I know we have to spend, obviously, we have to eat. That's, that's important. And take showers and, and ter- carry, carry out the trash. I understand all that. But if I'm one day going to stand before God and be held accountable for 72 hours throughout the week, that I could be bettering myself or I could be bettering others or I could be a part of a bigger picture. I want to stand before God and I want to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. And you know, I, didn't, I didn't prepare a list of things that you could do to pursue God or things that you could do to be a part of the things of God. We talked about earlier how important the church, God has blessed us with a church that we can come. You know, we want, we want God's very best and all God wants from us is a minimum. Did you ever notice that? Membership in this club was not cheap. It was paid for by the blood of Jesus. But the, but the, but the membership, the membership fees, they're very inexpensive. God asked me if I can to come to his house once a week and bring a song and bring an offering and bring a testimony. And then throughout the rest of the week, Try to find a way to pursue his best for me. And whether that, whether that best is just being a great husband or a great father or a great friend or a great son or whatever that best is, only you can determine the nudge that God puts on your heart. And listen, if anybody knows anything about time, time sometimes is not your friend. Uh, Pastor Rhonda um, teased me the other night. And uh, when, I, when I leave the house in, in the morning, there's no telling what I'm liable to do that day. There's literally, you never know where I'm going to wind up or what I'm going to be doing or what crazy scenarios I get myself into. And so when I get to the house, I'm ready to chill. I'm ready to just sit back, watch Blue Bloods, watch Scorpion, uh, watch Timeless, and watch all those great programs. And now I've got NCIS and I've got Madam Secretary. And so I just want to come in the evening and just turn the TV on and the next four hours, watch my four favorite. I have a friend in the house is is Netflix or what whatever it is. But then this this past week, I've been really feeling, and guilt is not a good word. Pro- probably the fact that God told me to write a book about the eagle, and if I spend four hours a night watching TV, I'm probably not going to write that book on the eagle. I'm probably not going to pursue that the way God wants me to pursue it. And was, so maybe this maybe this morning. All this message was for me to motivate me to watch television less and start working on my book. And I know that you'll be praying for me that God will help me with that book. Just for a moment, as every head is bowed, as every eye is closed, if you're here this morning and uh, God has touched you through the worship and touched you through the praise and touched you through the ministry, I just want you to know that God has your back and God has your, and God, God has your best interest. And I, this morning, want you to know that, that he knows how to do all things well. And he knows our past, and he knows our present. He knows some of the things that we have struggled with. Some of us are just struggling to pay the bills. We're going from paycheck to paycheck, just barely keeping the bills paid, and not even all the bills sometimes. Some we put off till the next week, or there's more money. He knows the environment that we're in. It's a crazy dog-eat-dog world. It's a It's a... It's a crazy place to be right now. This is a crazy time, a crazy season in life. 
But this morning, in your heart of hearts, if you'd have determined to make up your mind that you get up tomorrow morning and say, good morning, Jesus, what can you and I do today? What can we get involved in? What what doors are you going to open? What 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 rivers are we going to cross? What oceans are we going to swim? What what do you want to do today? And I'm more than willing to do it with you. If that could be our prayer, that could be our desire, that could be our focus, I believe God would be pleased. In Jesus' name, amen. It's one minute before 12, how, how, we, how we did it, I'll never know. I want to give you a chance to sow, and as God says, bring tithe and offering to the storehouse. The offering is just a, uh, a little tip towards the kingdom. As Pastor Ron just mentioned, there's some things going on. Uh, I want you, before you leave this morning, to shake our realtor's hand and let him know you're praying for him and praying for his family. And because uh, he's going to sell this, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he's going to, he is going to sell. And we're all going to be in the state of shock because we're not really sure it's going to be so. But he's going to make, he's going to call me one day, and every time he texts me, I, every time he texts me, I'm thinking, is this the day? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And we have a building and we have an architect and we have a builder and we have a place and we have